0: Hello and welcome to episode 54 of A Positive Podcast. If you would like to sponsor an episode in honor of a loved one or celebrate an upcoming special occasion or just because you appreciate what we're doing here on A Positive Podcast, please reach out on my website, apositivecoach.com, or you can email me at rizel at jewishpbd.com. In addition, if you're curious to hear more about positive-based life coaching and to see if it's a fit for you, you can reach out through my website and set up your free consultation today, apositivecoach.com. One more favor I have for all of you guys out there listening. If you enjoy this podcast and this episode and I get so many emails and I meet so many of you that are sharing with me how much you enjoy this podcast, if you would do us a favor, leave a rating and a review on our podcast, wherever you are listening to this podcast, we would really appreciate it. And it really helps others be able to find this podcast easier. It takes a minute, actually only 30 seconds, and it's very effective. So please stop, pause what you're doing, leave a review. Thank you so much. In today's episode, my husband, Rabbi Nachami Shusterman, sits down with an incredible rabbi who also happens to be a forensic psychologist, rabbi and doctor, David Fox. And Dr. Fox is a Rav, he's a Torah scholar, he's a forensic psychologist, and he's been practicing in Beverly Hills for over 40 years. And he's really fascinating and an interesting person, and he has a lot to share on a really important topic. So episode 54 talks about exploring mental health through through halacha. And in this episode, they speak about an important topic where mental health and halacha intersect. And Rabbi David Fox, he guides many people and he helps them make sense of challenging situations within the framework of halacha. And my husband asks him, some difficult questions, and they have an interesting conversation. So I think you're going to enjoy it and learn something from it. So sit back, relax, and be ready to grow.
1: Thank you, Dr. Fox, for taking the time to talk with me today. And, uh, for allowing us to dive into the unique world of the synthesis of halacha and medicine, and specifically mental health medicine, as we're going to get to in the next few minutes, given your credentials both in halakha and in medicine. Okay, so just to start with, um, to get in, start with, let's jump into the spiritual arena for a little bit. When it comes to matters of general health, there are are some pretty specific sources in Gemara, and 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 about how to handle matters of health as they intersect with halacha, whether it's um, Shabbos matters or whatnot. When it gets to mental health, it seems to me, and I may be um, um, ignorant on this, but it seems to me that there's less information. There's less sources and resources to draw on. S- for example, I was just learning Rambam the other day, and I forgot with whom I was hearing this year, But Rambam mentioned something about Shabbos and a connection between the eye and the heart connection. And you know, for many years, that was something that people who knew medicine didn't understand. But recently, it's come to light that, in fact, you know, that that's what the person who was giving the class was saying. That it's come to light recently that when they do certain eye surgeries, they have to monitor the heart because we now know that there is a connection. When you're getting, when you're dealing with the world of mental health. Everything is very ephemeral. There's very little hardcore, broken bone, kind of very physical stuff to, to lean on. It's feelings. It's how someone feels. It's very hard to um, um, quantify it in, in any uh, measurable way. And halakhically, it seems to me, and again, I could be wrong, that there's less information about all this. So my question is, is I guess, what sources do you draw on for making determinations when it comes, comes to matters of mental health? Um, addiction and aloha, you know, when it supersedes shops, et cetera, where are we drawing our information from?
2: Okay, well, let me uh, respect and honor the question by offering some initial foundation. Before we can answer that question directly, I'd like to lay a foundation, and that is that it's quite apparent from Rishonim and very parent from the Kisfei HaRizal that many times when the Torah and the Nevi'im speak about the Lev that they're actually as we see from Sukkotin, they're referring to the Levav now the Lev typically is the cardiac Lev, it's the heart we all have one and it's on the left side of our chest. And the levav, and this is consistent with many sources in Nigla, Drash in the Gomorrah, and in Midrashim, as well as in the Zaryon Kodesh, that levav, with two vases, is actually not referring to the heart, it's referring to the brain. Namely, the brain, which has two different hemispheres, two different parts, And one is primarily involved in our rational thought, our language expression, our comprehension of language, and one, of course, the other half of our brain is where we're dealing with many of our urges and our impulses, our emotional reactions to things, the impressions that we form, the intuition. Intuitiveness that we sometimes feel, all of the less logical, less rational parts of mental life. We have only to look at the Drasha, which Rashi quotes from Chazal, achari achari nechem, where you do see that connection between the eye and the heart. We know the Drasha, the Shnei the Avera, Vera, Roa, Vahale, Chomed. And yet there, once we have Chazal telling us that, or shde yitzarecha. so then we already have room for what the Arizal is telling us that what we will colloquially call the Yetzer Tov, or the good side, that's our rational thought. That's this Sechel part of our brain. And the other Yetzer is that other half of our brain, which is more prone to be impulsive and rapid decisions, not carefully thought out judgments, emotionally tainted responses. So we can begin to understand that we're not talking about the heart, we're talking about the brain. And there was a very clear understanding, definitely in the Mukubalim, going back to the Rishonim, and then once we looked at what the Rishonim and the Book of Volume are telling us about with the intention of Chazales, then we have to also conclude that going way back, there was um, an understanding of mental life which did not become known to neuroscience, to brain science until the late 19th century. And then that began to pick up momentum in the middle of the 20th century. So what we're now taking for granted over the last 60 to 80 years about where mental health is affected by brain functioning and what the mind does and what it is and where emotion and where logic fits in to disordered behavior or to stable behavior. So Khazal knew this. If it's in neuroscience and it's confirmed, then we have to see if it's MS. And once we start looking through our mesura, um, we're actually seeing more and more clarity from neuroscience about precisely what our great sages are telling us. So, So let's lay that foundation that we're talking about mental health, mental stability, mental disorder, Uh, psychiatric disturbance, psychological uh, conditions, we're talking about that, but we want to be able to talk about that with a little bit more clarity about what's actually going on inside the brain that may be promoting disordered conduct, lack of control of our impulses, hyperactivity, mood instability, and all the things that um, I think you want to ask me questions about. So now without foundation, let's talk.
1: Okay, so so let me just see if I can clarify just something that you you said, um, and this is just for my own information, <laughs> um, but I think others will have the same limited knowledge as me, so hopefully it'll be helpful to others. Unlike certain very specific medical conditions, a broken arm, or the you know, Shulchan Aruch talks about, you know, um, stuff coming out of the eye, which where the descriptions are very, very physical and literal, I mean, I guess the whole mental health conversation is more lofty and therefore maybe it's appropriate that the sources is, are somewhat you know Kabbalistic, um but whereas we do have some and and i, I don't pretend to be a, a, a Tamil chacham of any sort but where we do have some sources like you know a, a woman you know you talked about with, with with the pregnancy and and, and kipper says that she might you know um i think the term is tir of daita so there there are certain sources where we actually talk about um, we actually say the words, um, you know, um, you know, ha- how you want to translate it, you know, go crazy, um, uh, overwhelmed, panic, however you want to translate it. But there are certain isolated scenarios where we say it clearly. But for the most part, the areas of of halacha that govern mental health matters are more a little bit stage one leading to stage two. it's a, as you explained just before. Is that is that a true statement that I just said? I
2: think
1: so. I think okay. So. Okay, let me before I jump into halach, um, some more specific questions, and, and that's really where I want to go with this. I have one more question. That's I guess a, a setup question, and please I, I, I ask for machila in advance because this is this is um it it'll sound accusatory, but it really isn't. It's more um you know it's it's an experience that I had firsthand, so therefore I, I know about it well. Um a, 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 a family member cl- uh, close to me was dealing with a situation of of, of substance use. And you know, I called a rav, and it was a question. It was a question about Shabbos, about whether I should be Mahal Shabbos or. You know, I called before Shabbos. If A and B happens, can I be mechalal Shabbos to go and save the person? And the rav gave me certain guidance, um, and I followed the guidance. In the the uh, the long story short, is things filed out of control, and this this person ended up in, in a very bad situation. Uh, some many, many months passed and things were stabilized and I called the rub back and I, you know, and I said to him, I said, you know, I just feel like I need to talk this out with you. It feels like the guidance you gave me wasn't accurate. And in an incredible display of humility, um, this is a quite a prominent rub, He said to me, he says, you know something? He says, I'm sorry. He says, he says, Rabbanim, he, he said this about himself. He says, Rabbanim are dinosaurs. He said, "He, he says, I from when we spoke them to when we spoke now, I know significantly more. And I'm aware that there's so much more that I need to know. So you happen to be an expert on the topic. The vast majority of Rabbanim are really not. Um, I guess my question is, and, and I know you can't speak on behalf of Rabbanim, but what is being done to educate Rabbanim on the clearly evolving mental health crisis that is taking over certainly our country, if not the world.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, I think if we go back a half a century, we'll find among our postkim that there was an ongoing debate. For example, should a um make rounds in a hospital so that he can have a clear understanding of what Terminal illness looks like what end of life looks like. What comatose state, vegetative state looks like, and, and there was a lot of controversy among the Poskim that we, we have concepts in psaq, We have the, in, um, the day in elam shein We have the concept of shuda the meaning that the, the Torah has um, vested a rub the ability to make decisions based on his understanding at that point. Um, Whereas others felt that now that there is access to um, hard data, there's access to scientific madha, that maybe it's important for a to be up with the times in the same way that um, Kashris was a lot lot less complicated a hundred years ago than it is today. Food science has created all sorts of concoctions and substances, and just looking at something, we don't know, does it contain milk, does it contain meat? So, so there has been an argument both ways. In mental health, um, there often is a, a lack of clarity about concepts. For example, take, say, from Michele. So we have terms which we might use interchangeably, kasil, Shota, Pasi. We have so many different terms in our psukim, but each of them, if we take a careful look, especially in the Harambam, that they these mean something specific. A kasil is not a Shota and a pesi is not either of those two. So do you, so, you
1: mind to translate those for us?
2: Well, when we speak about a Shota, so in context, it can mean someone who has intellectual level well below the norm. It can mean, for example, that their mental development, cognitive development of thinking is, is very impaired or it's very delayed or variously in context. Shota can mean someone who's psychotic, someone who's um, out of control mentally and behaviorally. So we can't use the terms interchangeably until we know the context. Now, Ixil, we speak about Ixil as being someone who's foolish, which means that his intellect may be fine and his emotional stability may be fine, but his judgment's off. He doesn't have good social judgment. He does things without thinking them through. And it's not because he is mentally ill. It's not because he's retarded. Now, a pessy, on the other hand, from the word to be mafate, it's someone who's very gullible, that you can seduce him, you can trick him, you can mislead him, you can exploit him, you can, him, you can manipulate him. Uh, but he's not mentally ill and he's not lacking intellectually he can maybe very very bright but still very simple and so my point here is that that there there is not always a clarity in what these concepts mean and then um, especially as we develop more specificity um, in being able to listen to someone observe someone and determine not only what is the malady they're going through, is it depression, is it obsessive compulsive disorder, is it schizophrenia, is it bipolar disorder, is it autism, is it Asperger's? So not only do we have more specificity in being able to identify syndromes or conditions, but we also, um, with training, we can develop an idea of what is going on in this person's life that may be bringing this, uh, this disturbance out now, but also what has happened to them developmentally, which might explain why right now, he or she is in this state of mental disarray. So uh, I think more and more, our Gedoli Yisrael, our Roshi or our Dayanin, um, are, are recognizing that there is a lot we need to know in order to pass Ganeshila. Um, we need to know about trauma, we need to know if the person has obsessive compulsive disorder and that's why they're so rigid. We need to know, does this person have bipolar disorder, which means that the wildness and recklessness that happened last week is not necessarily going to happen all the time. It may not be happening today. So so it, I think more and more there's an eagerness among Agadoli Israel to sit down with clinicians and get the straight talk Uh, of course, that presupposes that we can find clinicians who themselves have ample education, they're updated, they know the data, they know the research, and also who can, as much as possible, can present that information to a POSIC without editorializing it, meaning without giving their own subjective bias or their own spin on what it means. Meaning, I'll give you an example, I've had from uh, patients come to me saying they're seeing a clinician who's less orthodox or not orthodox or says they're orthodox or whatever it might be. Um, but they'll um, they'll give them their opinion about whether the family should keep and Mishbach or not. You know, you're keeping and Mishbach, it's destroying your marriage. Now that's something that's tainted by this clinician's bias. So when a post is going to sit down with a clinician, it has to be someone who is uh, educated um, has a, a clarity about what we know and what we don't know, what science says and what science doesn't say, but also who's going to try as best as we can to be objective and not taint the data by any personal agenda. Right. You 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 said so many things <laughs> that 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 I want to
1: re- uh, react to just for a moment. Um, as it relates to the therapist who's maybe a little from or partially from or, or somewhat from, you know, I, I believe, I believe um, when brought this question was brought to the rabbi, the rabbi insisted that therapists have a religion. Um, it sounds almost like it is better for them to be a, 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 a re- religious but not Jewish unless they're completely from and understand where the parameters are. It's like somewhere in the middle actually can end up being worse you know, a, a Jewish but not observant Jew can end up almost uh, misleading more than a uh, 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 believing um, non-Jew. Um, yeah.
0: Look,
2: look, there, there's certainly a strong precedent in Psaq for what the Rebbe said and um, Rabbi Feinstein, Ramosha Moshe Feinstein um, has uh, more than one tshuva about the importance of not letting a theorist therapists tamper with someone's hashkoffas. That's not the domain of therapy, and it shouldn't bias what the therapist is doing. Um, uh, We also have the concept, and this is a little bit far-fetched, but the Rambam brings this from the Gomorrah, and it's both in Moronavucham and also in uh, Yadah Chazaka, that uh, if you're comparing the Apichoris with the Kofar Be'ikar, so you're better off with the Apichoris. Uh, because he, he believes in some type of God as opposed to the key of Iker, who has the audacity to believe that there is no higher power at all. Um, so in that sense, just paraphrasing Lanius to what the Reb is saying, um, that if someone believes in some type of spiritual concept, uh, hopefully it's not a Vodazora, um, but he or she will probably be more sensitive to a from patient for whom their spirituality is part of their mental health. Yes, um, we still have to be very careful that, uh, that that Jewish patient who's going to disclose spiritual struggles to the non-Orthodox therapist um, can, can recognize whether he is walking on thin ice with that, with that, that therapist, that he's not going to be steered away from his own hashtaphas.
1: Understood. I actually recently listened to a lecture on homosexuality, actually, of all topics, and there was a, it was a rabbi and two rabbis, and then this, this not Jewish um, clinician, and it was interesting because he was saying as, as the clients come in, he says, I asked them, you know, where do you want to go with this? You know, is, is this within your belief system? Is this against your belief system? And he will just help and guide them without Giving an opinion on the actual uh, appropriateness or inappropriateness of, of the actual homosexuality itself, which to me sounded like a healthier approach to go at it. Again, he, he's not the rav. You go to your mashpia or your rav for spiritual guidance. This was strictly for mental health. But going back to what we were talking about a moment ago, so g- given how complex and how nuanced. Um, mental health is and how evolving. It's a moving target. It's literally, you know, what we know today, we didn't even know 10 years ago. And what we will know in 10 years, you know, today we might feel like dinosaurs today. It it really seems like it's the kind of thing, you know, that you really have to be continuously updating and updating. So someone like you in your position, you're in a Rabbanish position where these mental health questions are being sent to you all the time. So you you have no choice but to be up to date and you have clinical background. So you are uh, uh, medically up to date on things, your average rub it's got to be difficult, you know. Kashris, the you know, the the, the different qualities of, of metals have changed a little bit, you know. Uh, the, the, the things have changed a little bit, but fundamentally they're the same. This is, you know, it seems like a, almost like a a, a, chiddush, a a new idea that we are in unchartered territories and we have to kind of be following halachas as they are unfolding. If I call a rub about a, a mental health question, um, the the answer of last year may not be the answer of today.
0: Just a quick brief message from one of our sponsors. We are really proud to be sponsoring again with OKClarity.com. OKClarity is a wonderful website where anyone who may be looking for a therapist, a psychiatrist, a psychologist, a coach um, can really find very good therapists. Um, I get reach outs a lot for um, people looking for a good therapist, and I always encourage them to go to okclarity.com. These people are vetted, they're researched, and they are good people that are working on these websites. So I know that I myself am listed there as a coach, and I'm sure that you will be able to find a really good therapist in your neighborhood. You can do it in person, on Zoom, and there's so many different ways to find the right person through this website. So if you are in the If you are searching for a good therapist or a good psychiatrist or coach, don't look any further. Go to OKClarity.com. Check it out today. And if you are a therapist or a coach that is looking to have your your name listed somewhere that's effective, go ahead. Reach out to OKClarity.com. They are really going to be able to help you. So check out OKClarity.com. And thank you for the sponsorship. And now back to our show.
1: Can I call my rub? With confidence, my diene and and feel confident that he's up to date on the mental health issues of the day.
2: Well, I hope you can. Um, what I often will suggest to people who have a Shiwa and they want to know who to approach and what to share. what I often will suggest is that when they call whomever they've selected as their morader, that they they respectfully ask him, Will it be? Would it be helpful if the ruv would confer with, and then whatever the expert is, they're seeing, um, to uh, make sure that there's clarity about what this condition consists of. It it it's it, it would be careless of a ruv um, to let's say someone calls up and says, um, can we remove one of the tubes, remove the feeding tube from this patient. And if the doctor doesn't know which is the feeding tube and which is the air tube, and just says, well, yeah, move that one. Okay, now, obviously a post would never do such a thing. So if someone calls up, I mean, I actually spoke at a national conference of Rabbanim not, not too long ago, and one of the great uh, Rabbanim was there and he said, you know, all depression is the same. You just tell them that they have to look for Simcha. So one of the Godole Rosh was sitting next to me. I was sitting next to him on the dais and he says, disagree with him, disagree with him. <laughs> <laughs> tell him he's wrong. I said, I don't have the nerve to tell him he's wrong, but when it's my turn to speak, I will offer a different perspective. Okay, so so clearly, Um, if we're going to pose a Shaila to a Godel, we are, I think we're within our rights to very respectfully say, would the Rav first want to speak to my doctor to get some clarity on this? Or would the Rav want to read this article which describes what my wife is dealing with? And I think more and more, uh, whether it's in the Hasidisha community or in the Yeshivish community, Uh, our our, our Gadoli Yisrael, our poskim, want to be educated. They recognize, as do virtually all the poskim, that a mental health predicament, it's a sakhanous nefashis, potentially. Meaning, in certain states of mental disorder, we are dealing with something that's um, comparable to epikuch nefesh, Shailah, and, and therefore we want to have clarity about what we're poskating on. You know, if, if someone comes to a, a rub and says, um, um, my, uh, my wife is insisting on going back to the mikvah multiple times at night. She comes home and then she says she forgot that she didn't do that and- um, OCD. Well, you and I will say that's probably OCD, and maybe it's OCD. And let's say the Rav says, oh, well, she has OCD, so you need to tell her not to do that. You know, you tell her one time is enough. Okay, now, maybe that will help with OCD. That's one of the reasons I published my OCD guides for mikvah attendance and Um, But let's say it's not OCD. Uh, let's say that she's psychotic. Let's say she has a different or an additional disorder and the husband trying to set limits for her and reprimand her, it's going to spin her into a depression. Or let's say there's some traumatic event associated with the mikvah that she hasn't been able to tell her husband about. And this is a symbolic going back to the scene of the crime. And her behavior is trying to send the message of that which the sehel is not ready to talk about. So again, there there are many, many ambiguities when a person comes in and tries to describe to a rab what's going on. And I think, Baruch Hashem, more and more, Rabbanim, they're going to ask for clarification. You know, few of us are going to shoot from the hip and just assume we know what they're talking about. You know, there's a story about uh, the, uh, I I, I enjoy the stories of Humor me for a minute. I'll be as fast as I can with it. No, but, no,
1: take your time. I love every minute with you.
2: So, so the, the, the Texas rancher who's visiting Eretz Israel and uh, he meets an Israeli and they get to talking. The Israeli says, What do you do? He says, I own a ranch in Texas. He says, Really? I own a rancher in Eretz Israel. So the Texan laughs. He goes, This is a very small country. You can't have ranches here. He goes, No, I, I have a ranch. He says, You want to see my ranch? Come to dinner and I'll take you to my ranch. See? takes his chauffeur, limousine takes him to a high rise apartment in downtown Tel Aviv, they have a nice meal, then the Texan says, I'm hankering to see your Israeli ranch, he goes, come with me, opens up the back door of the apartment, he says, there's my ranch. The Texan says, where? He says, well, here, I've got a grapefruit tree over there, I've got tomatoes over there, I've got some corn over there, and I recently planted a lemon tree over there. So the Texan starts laughing, he goes, you call this a ranch? All right, back in Texas, I can get in my car and start her up at the crack of dawn, and I can drive and drive and drive and drive and drive. And when the sun's going down, I'm just getting to the other end of my property. And the Israeli says, yeah, I know. I used to have a car like that. (laughs) Okay, That's my illustration that if you don't have the data, you don't have the context, your response is going to be way off.
1: Understood, and I, I, I think I belabored the point enough. Um, but 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 the the clearer takeaway is that if a person, you know, in general, we're not supposed to uh, ask a same question to multiple multiple rabbani, But if, if a person feels that the rub is not comp- uh, understanding the entirety of the situation, um, the Step one would be to encourage the RUV respectfully to try to get a little, little, bit, little bit more information or, or the person may need to go consult the RUV that's more um, um, knowledgeable and skilled on the specifics of their situation.
2: Yeah, and again, I believe that the, the large majority of the DOLIN um, are entirely open to making sure that they're getting clarity on what's being asked.
1: Right, I, I definitely think it, it, it's it's made a lot of progress. Um, I, I I suspect, and this is just my opinion, that many are of the, you know, the the rabbanus conference that you just mentioned of the uh, yeah depression just get over it, kind of thing, and and uh, maybe the, with Hashem Himself they are the outliers. All right, let, let's jump into some some more practical stuff. Okay, and I, I don't expect you with this next question to turn me into a, uh, a psychotherapist in, in one in one question, but at what point does a mental health crisis become rise to the level where it is worthy of breaking Shabbos to go to the hospital? Well, you know let's say a person is having a manic episode or a panic attack. And while they're in, in immense pain and I may be wrong in one, my next sentence, ultimately nothing's going to happen to them. I mean they're going to be in a lot of pain. But if you call a cell and get a pill, or if they go to a psych ward and get tr- uh, tr- uh, proper treatment, they will. That will also provide extreme relief. So, I, I, and I may be wrong about what I just said. Maybe it's not okay to just let a manic episode um, go. Um, bipolar again. There's bipolar. There's schizophrenia. Uh, there's so many levels, and I, I know you can't answer each possible scenario. But is there some kind of general rule when a mental health crisis rises to the level that a person has to know? It is time to pick up the phone and call for help and get get the help needed. I remember you must remember Reb Levitansky of Ashkelon. You know there was a story in his show on Shabbos and somebody collapsed in the middle of davening and he yelled, you know, call nine one one and people were like hesitating and he says, what's the matter with you guys? It's a mess. and he, he ran and did it himself. You know, d- you know, displaying to him that it was of such urgency that you, the first person to do it is is to be rewarded. With someone collapsing, it's clear. With mental health, it's very very ambiguous.
2: Yeah, so there are obviously going to be times when we don't have time to get ample information, at which point the Rav has to make his decision on the spot without data. But the things that we would want to sort of understand, uh, what is the actual condition? Is he or she in treatment for that? is there any history of reckless or dangerous risk-taking behavior? Of course, it's never happened before. Meaning are these episodes that come and go, but they don't get acted out? Um, Fourthly, um, are they in a state of mental clarity that they can comprehend what's being said to them? Or are they pretty much checked out cognitively because of whatever's uh, percolating inside of them? Um, those are those are the, the four points that we would want to look into before determining um, is this a suffix and otherwise it's a, a, a suffix Chesorin which means the suffix the doubt is that we don't know what's going on, but if we have a sense of what's going on and now the question is, is this person likely to harm themselves or others, so then we're going to be a little more secure in deciding that we need to get to the emergency room. Um and um not, not every suffic about a person constitutes a suffix the Kuah We we need to know what is the disorder, is it getting treatment? is their history right now, is their mental state lacking clarity that they can't carry on a conversation with us. Um and of course, if a person is actually threatening to cause harm or threatening to harm themselves, we would generally be machmir and get them that help, even if it were to require philosophers. But there also there are some broad gedorim that we can educate rabbanim on. Um, but but ultimately, it takes a lot of experience, it takes a lot of shimish and it takes continuing education for the Rav to be able to do his best to identify or to find out. What is this condition? So there's not a simple if this happens, send them to the hospital. If if this happens, then you don't have to send them to the hospital. We 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 want to be as clear as we can. Um, You know, I will get from time to time uh, people from Hatsala. They'll show up in Shul on Shabbos. They'll show up at my house, um, and they'll say, "This is going on. Uh, What do we do? Do we send them to the hospital?" Or do we just try to stabilize them? And and I'll spend a little while trying to get as much background before I offer an opinion. On occasion, I'll walk with them to the place where the the person in distress is, and I'll help them with that. Um, Yes, a mental health crisis can be a Safiq Maku'ak Nefesh. Not every mental health crisis is a Safiq Maku'ak Nefesh.
1: Which then leads me to the other side of that question, the, the part A, I guess, was if if it's being presented to our Rav, what about the average individual who's at home, you know, in, in LA or New York, you know, in certain communities, you have Atsala. In a lot of places, you know, smaller communities, they, they don't have Atsala. And you have a, a spouse or a parent, you know, watching a spouse or a child in crisis. And you just don't know. We, we, I mean, you know whether it's the first time, maybe, but you, you don't know the severity of the situation. Does Would this go in the category of, you know, um, you, 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 since it's a Safa Bukuach Nefesh, you have to go to the Chumrah and when in doubt, you know, call 911 or
2: the, the, it, that kind of thing? That probably would be a good principle to follow when there's no expert or paraprofessional to consult. Um certainly if a spouse or a child in the family has an acute episode and has never been like this before, then something serious is going on. Which means if someone who's typically stable and calm um, wakes up or at the at the table, you can't understand their speech, or they're saying very suspicious things, um, or they're acting erratically or they've got a glazed look in their eyes as if they're not even present. Um, If that's never happened before, then there's an emergency happening. Could be there's a stroke, could be there's a seizure, could be there's toxic, there's poisoning. It could be it's the first episode of what's going to build into a chronic disorder. We don't know, but if you see something sudden like that um, and the person's not themselves, so then we would most likely prompt the person to get them to an emergency room. Um, but as I said, if it's someone who's been like this before, but there's never been an episode where they've harmed someone or harmed themselves, and they're not talking about doing that right now, and they are in treatment, um, then I think we would uh, we would be better off trying to reach the treating clinician by phone, which won't be a derisa. Um, and, and if the treating clinician says, get them to an emergency room then rheumatology others.
1: Jumping back to this. Um, so if I'm hearing you correctly, um, you know, a, a, a scenario like um, someone who's struggled with depression, and now they seem to be particularly depressed and they're not getting out of bed, but they're not talking about hurting themselves or others. And, and there's at least, you know, they're not catatonic. They're, they're communicating with you. So then maybe hang out with them. But you don't need to necessarily be Machal Shabbos, and you can possibly wait till after Shabbos to deal with the situation. Versus someone who 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 there's a concern that there might be danger to themselves or to others, or as you said, it's a it's a first presentation of something, and uh, it, and, and they don't seem to be of sound mind at that time.
2: Yeah, the only caveat to that, uh, yes, you 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 quoted me correctly. but the caveat to that would be that we also have to probe with the patient um, what do they wanna do? Now, if the patient says, no, I'm telling you this is serious, I need to be in the hospital. Okay, so we're gonna get, we're gonna credence to that. You know, you have the Shalmi and Yuma, which is quoted by the Machaber and Yohanarach about the Oletus who says, uh, I wanna eat. I gotta eat, Shom Kippur, I gotta eat, I gotta eat. I gotta eat. Um, so the, according to the you you say, okay, then you can eat. Now, if you look at the abortion, the reasoning of the is that once you tell her she can't eat, she won't want to eat. Meaning that you're, you're gonna sort of work with her thought process. Um, but if the patient says, I'm telling you, I've never felt this way before, there's something wrong with me, I need to be in the hospital. So um, I think generally speaking, if it's not a histrionic person who tends to be manipulative, we're going to give that some credence. Excellent. Okay,
1: um, let me throw one very specific um, um, mental health situation. One that, at least in the world that I circulate in—not my Chabad rabbinic world, but the, the you know the mental health uh, department where I hang out and talk with people—cannabis induced psychosis, which is becoming. Significantly more co- common as a, as a, you certainly know better than me. Whether whether they're laced or whether they're just such such uh, such potent um, THC levels that haven't been seen before, and it's does is, is that a, 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 a overriding Shabbos crisis?
2: So if a person has purchased um, a grade of cannabis which we know can put them into a, a psychotic state. So they're in a psychotic state right now, um, which we know will last for a number of hours because of the chemistry in their brain. So th- there is psychosis in their psychosis, which means if there's sort of a benign psychosis that they're at peace with the cosmos and they're just speaking in very metaphysical terms, but their behavior is not erratic. Um, so that may not be a person who's in a state of pikua hnefesh, you probably just need to monitor them and keep them indoors. So they don't decide to walk on the highway. Um, but if it's a person who's gone into a paranoid state, which is not uncommon with marijuana, um, and they're accusing people of things, they're saying, you know, you're you're invading my mind, you're trespassing on my thoughts, you're out to get me. I know that you're thinking of hurting me. You know, if they're really in that paranoid delusional state, Um, And, you know, it's going to go on for a couple of hours Um, and, you know, that distorted or delusional thinking sometimes can lead in psychosis to them believing what they're saying. And they think that you're threatening them and they're going to do unto you before you do unto them. So if you're concerned about acting out or self harm, for example, it could be not the, the homicidal, but it could or the assaulter, But it. it can be the person who says, um, no, "I know, I know, I can fly. I, I'll show you I can fly." And you know they're heading up to the roof of the house. And so if you know in a situation like that that their delusion is going to be acted on, so um, in the absence of any other information, we would we would we would be more likely to say they need to be evaluated in emergency room.
1: And, and again, the non-professional error on the side of safety, if, if there's any of these concerns.
2: Yeah, as I said before, as a general rule for the person who's not a professional who can't consult with a professional, so they make the best decision they can.
1: Perfect, okay, let's let's pivot for a moment or two. And I, I, don't want, I, I know I have limited time with you. I wanna hit you with a few more questions. Um, I've heard conflicting answers to this. What are what's your thoughts? Can an addict in recovery go to a meeting on Shabbos? Call their sponsor on Shabbos? Yom Tov, Yom Kippur, whatever.
2: Yeah. So, as is the case with many halachas, it depends on who their posik is. There are poskim who say that if there's addiction and or there's trauma, and contact with a mentor or a sponsor, um, or contact with a program. Or attendance of a program will really make the difference for them. They'll be talked out of their misery. Um, There are definitely postkim who are matter that. Um, I'm not going to make a blanket yes or no answer because for me, um, I don't ask him on general questions. If the question would come to me from a specific individual, I would first probe and explore a couple of things, but there are posts who very boldly said that if we're dealing with addiction and or trauma, and this is their go-to to to soothe them through their, their distress, going back to the Rice of the Rabunin, they can possibly do the text, they can possibly do the phone call as to whether or not they should get into the car or be driven by Uber and, and making pay arrangements differently there, there certainly are posts can say that, um, that they can do that. My preference is that with each case, they ask Ashila. They don't just say, well, I called them a couple months ago, the rub told me I could. I, I do think we need to, to factor in um, what's going on in the moment objectively, and then within that person, what's happening experientially. Understood.
1: And, and and you know how deep in their recovery they are and how strong their recovery is and if, if this missed meeting might be the reason for a relapse, you know, etc. Yeah. Okay. Um, I have so many questions I want to ask you but we're short on time. Let me let me jump into another hot topic for a minute. Mental health and dating. And I know I went from medicine to hashgafa now. Mental health and dating, it's a major issue. I mean, these days, if you don't have anxiety, something's wrong with you. Um, I, I'm, I'm being coy, but, but but you know what I mean. Um, you know, let, let me broaden the question and simply say, when or what are your thoughts, opinions, halachic thoughts on um, talking about mental health issues in dating—is it required? Doesn't need need to, to be done immediately. Some people say wait till a few dates in, but then there might be already some romantic um, feelings, and and you you waited too long. It, you know, it, it, logically to me, you know, I, I I see the value in 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 bringing it up. I even see the value in people who have their mental health, uh, while not perfect, but under control. At least you know that the skeletons in the closet, and the skeletons are being dealt with, and they have support from family or even addicts who have you know long-term sustained recovery. Um, at the same time, I could see people saying, you know, I don't want anybody with any mental health issues or any uh, challenge issues. Um, what 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 is like both the I guess the halachic obligation and what is your uh, personal opinion or suggestions on on this?
2: Okay, good. So the general trend in contemporary Postkin has been that if a person is in treatment or has been in treatment for a severe disorder, has been on medication or has been in residential care or hospitalization, that that needs to be disclosed. It may be a mekakhtos if they don't disclose it. Just like if a person had epilepsy or a person had severe diabetes and didn't disclose that. Um, so I and I personally follow that. I do believe that uh, most uh, situations where there is treatment or has been treatment and it's for a significant disturbance, and it's required intensive therapy and or medication and or hospitalization or residential treatment um, that it needs to be disclosed. Um, I think that it's disclosed when the couple is beginning to think about the possibility of marriage, which depending on the subculture they're in. It could be the third date, or it could be the fifth date. Um, or if it's a Hasidish where they don't date and they sit in, once That's they be done right away. Well, it, 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 it needs to be brought out. And uh, what I will offer, um, I do a lot of this uh, pro bono, I, mean, I do it exclusively pro bono, I don't ever take a fee for this, but I do a lot of this around the world, that um, if if the other um, party says, well, I need to know more about what that condition is. So um, I will offer to be the mediator, not with the couple, but let's say he's in treatment. So I will offer to speak on behalf of her and him to the treating professional to get clarity about what the condition is. And then to give an opinion about whether she needs to be, or he needs to be told more detail, or whether based on what the treating expert is saying, that that he's really okay now, that what happened, it's not gonna show up again. So, so I'll often will do that. I will be the one who can communicate, let's say to the parents of the boy or the parents of the girl, what the condition is or, let's say it's a relative who has that condition, and there's a concern about genetics. There's a concern that that he himself was fine, but both of his brothers have condition X. And I'm concerned if my daughter marries him, that their kids will have it also. So we will do consultation, but the bottom line is that um, we do have to make a disclosure under most conditions. Now, if a person saw a counselor for vocational guidance when he left yeshiva, he didn't know whether he wanted to be an accountant or an attorney. And so he spoke to a psychologist who evaluated him and said, don't do either, go back to Koal you know, or something like that. So that's something that's not a tos because they were not in treatment for a disorder. But uh, I, I think transparency or virtual transparency is halachically essential. Um, and it just needs to be done in a way that doesn't de-dignify the person who shares, and in the event the other party says, "Look, based on what, on what you've, you've suffered with, or based on what the thing in your family is, I don't want to continue this." So there has to be a commitment on the one pulling out of the relationship that he or she and parents will not disclose this to other people. We don't want suddenly a a samua going out in the in the shidduch market. Don't date lonely. Uh, uh, well, it has to be. It has to be done in a dignified, ethical way, in my opinion.
1: Okay, so so there's.
2: I've well, got like three minutes left. Although okay. I'd happy to reschedule if you want. I just no, know. no,
1: no. I I I will I will wrap it up quickly. Okay. Um. Okay. So th- so there is. Um, there there are some areas in between, though, the, you know, between extreme mental health issues and, you know, a, a high school student who, you know, had depression for a little bit, took pills for six months and then weaned off it or AD, ADD and ADHD and then didn't like how they reacted to it. So they stopped doing it. Um, but now they're living fine. And, you know, they have moments of sadness, but not nothing that ever requires hospitalization or any, or, or anything like that. Just they're sad and they're down. And, you know, it, it does, does that... Which category does that go in to, to the guy who went for, for, for job counseling or the person you know that's kind of somewhere in the middle?
2: So in my opinion, in broad strokes, but the case by case approach is essential. But in broad strokes, if we're talking about bipolar disorder, obsessive compulsive disorder, eating disorder such as anorexia, schizophrenia or another psychosis, attention deficit with or without hyperactivity, um, severe learning disability, um, intermittent explosive disorder where they are violent um, or an impulse control disorder, which would mean kleptomania, it could mean gambling, it could mean other behavioral addictions or substance abuse. um, Or what I will just, in vague terms i'll say disorders of morality understood yeah disorders of morality um, as as halacha would define it so in my opinion those have to be disclosed
1: and 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 just to to follow it up you you said by by date three or four but but it it does it doesn't need to happen immediately
2: i don't think it has to be uh, disclosed immediately if they're capable of a date if it's going to be very apparent on the first date that they're not all there
1: right then you're not doing yourself any service by not disclosing it
2: yeah but but if once the couple is beginning to feel a warmth and a closeness and they're already beginning to talk about what would marriage look like um, so then if it's already if 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 being in the parsha now puts it in the parsha so then the parsha requires a little bit of an abortion that's right
1: Fantastic. Okay. I I have so much more to ask you, but uh, I will respect your time. Thank you so very much for taking time out of your busy schedule to make yourself available to us. And yeah, maybe we'll call it part one, and they'll chase you down and hopefully get a part two at some point.
2: I'd be be happy to if there's things that you'd be filled in. Just one uh, correction, uh, maybe because you read through the bio pretty quickly. So I'm not part of the CoIL. Just for many, many years, I have been giving as adjunct faculty for the call, I've been giving Gomorrah Shirim. I'm not. I'm not learning in the Kolel, but I. I, I have been what's called an auxiliary faculty of the Kol uh, I've been giving uh, Gomorrah Shirim and Halacha Shirim under their auspices. Because
1: you're you're appropriate, you needed to get that correct. I'm sure no one's going to follow up with you on that. But <laughs> thank you for clarifying. yesha koach.
2: Okay. Uh, where, Really. Th- where are you located, by the way?
1: I am going to stop the recording, and then I'm going to answer all that stuff. What is the recording? Can I stop it? Okay.
0: Okay. thank you so much for listening today. I hope you found it as insightful as I did. And that you gain something. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach out through my website, apositivecoach.com. And um, thank you so much for listening. Have a wonderful day.